I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, dammit! Ah, we'll have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You wanted your file? I found you your file. You wanted out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you no use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I knows you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was gonna love me? Who, who was gonna make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets your shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost it right this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and the award for Best Cock goes to, here we go again, Dirk Diggler. (laughs) And my name is Colin Drucker, and let me just check on something. This is a giant (gasps) cock. Ooh. Sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt. No. That was the end, but... I appreciate your uh, dramatic pause there. It had to be. I wasn't going to continue with it. This is a giant cock part, which is like my favorite line in the movie. But then you brought it there and I thought, well, then it's a safe space. You know? You know what? Yeah. That was actually going to be my first line. That was going to be my opening line. So I'm glad you got your moments. But once they, I don't know why that moment tickled me when he said, here we go again, Dirk Diggler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go again. I just like loved that moment. I don't know why it was. It's stupid but effective amongst. Oh my gosh, so many great moments in this movie. So many moments, and and if all of this talk is has not tipped you off, uh, we are talking about. I mean, really, the BSAs of 1997's Boogie Nights. Uh, yes. Which, since I since we came upon, upon this idea, I can't stop saying the title in like a Borat voice. <laughs> Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. <laughs> a Boogie Nights. I just like, can't stop. <laughs> That's a choice, but I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's um. This movie has that effect. Yeah. Yeah. It really. Uh, it, it, boy, this movie. This movie, a, a cast, a cast. I mean, this it, cast really like it was just like the the Hall of Fame of 1997. It really was. I, folks, for just to kind of like in and just for the conversation too. I was definitely stoned the first time I watched it. Like, um, I guess the first half or like first hour, and then the uh, when I picked up for the rest of the movie, I was not stoned. But I mean. Good lord, this movie's so much. It's it's so much better when you are stoned because it's just it, it fits the vibe. And I like every single person that kept showing up. I was like, you, mm-hmm. you. <laughs> it was yeah. so fun. Yeah, yeah. I I I'm glad you brought up being stoned because I was high watching this. You know, as I yeah. as I tiptoe back into the workforce, I'm like, well, not yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not exactly. going to be responsible yet. Let me send out a couple resumes and light up a joint. And yeah. it this is we talked about this with Rent last week. Where like Rent is a really great experience when you're high, and yeah. Boogie Nights is perfect. Like Boogie Nights is designed for like it's 1998. And you have the movie on like VHS from Blockbuster and you pack your bong from 1998 with your 1998 weed and you get yes. high in your 1998 basement. Like this is perfect for that. I 
really loved this movie just to kind of start the conversation. I think I am trying to think, and I, I guess I should have just like did a, I could do it now as well too. Like Paul Thomas Anderson, it's like, what else did he do? Do we like him? Is he, I just feel like he's one of those guys that like, I thought everyone hated him, but then I was like, but then people were like, but his movies are great. I don't know. What's, what's, the, what's the deal with Paul Thomas Anderson? You know, I am not super familiar. Like I, I feel like, you know, he did Magnolia. He just did the licorice pizza like a couple yes, years ago. Yes. I did see punch drunk love many years ago. And I remember liking it way more than I expected to. Yeah. I think, I think I like his style. I mean, this whole movie is shot so beautifully and I feel like it's the first time I kind of noticed like uh, like a single shot. Um, mm -hmm. And I can't remember like any of those moments that it actually happened, but it, it felt like it at least when they're just like walking. I loved every single party scene because it just felt like you were totally immersed. I mean, even the opening is like a three minute shot of like, you know, kind of coasting into the the club and and basically meeting all of the characters as Jack and Roller Girl are coming in or no it's not Jack and Roller Girl Jack and uh uh Amber are coming in like that was all until we get to you know Eddie aka Dirk Diggler like that's all one single take and yeah I you know uh I I know that it's a little like there is an element of that that does kind of feel like cool like dude bro movies from the from the 90s doing like oh look at this it's a single take but like i eat that up with a spoon so whatever i'm one of them then i guess you know yeah it's interesting you bring up um like straight boys is this is this a movie that straight boys love you know what i mean like i feel like the movie nerds like it uh, you know that that was a lens that i kind of watched this through was like oh this totally feels like yeah, like maybe not to the same level of reverence as say like Casino or Goodfellas or, you know, just like yeah, yeah. those kind of like dude movies. But I feel like this has kind of a similar energy. It's a longer story. It's, you know, it's got violence. It's got sex. It's got boobs. You know, um, it moves quickly. I feel like it has all of the aesthetic of like like all of the aesthetic of uh, yeah i guess i would say like dude bros who are into film you yeah. know yeah but i'm into it i mean i i'm trying to think if i would like i'm so glad i'm discovering it now as like an actress sexual pushing 40 you know what i mm -hmm. mean i feel like it's even better to go back and watch this movie for the first time i guess not go back but just watch it because a like all of these people are like so successful now to even more successful than they were in this movie yeah it it is like there is a strange nostalgia to watching things in the 90s like i think there's it i think there's always something interesting about like in the 90s i feel like you know there are people like burt reynolds who is oh he's a star from the 70s and the 80s in this movie in the 90s you know what i mean like whereas yes. we're now having that same experience in a way you know you know what almost 30 years in the future where it's like oh wow that was that was John C. Riley back then. You know what I mean? It's like there's a the queen, a, John C. Riley. I mean, the queens in this movie. The it it's it, it's chock full. I'll I'll say that. I feel like there are at least two. There's another queen in this movie. Don't get me started on Phillips. <laughs> Don't even. Like I, I just can't. I can't. I mean, most of the reason this isn't just like Julianne Moore in Boogie Nights is because yeah. in some ways. 
the the BSA, the top of my list is Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman in the 90s is just a vibe. And I feel like, in my mind at least, this is all he did in the 90s. Like, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Twister is one of my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman performances. (laughs) It's, It's almost exactly like this, only like the straight, like, dude version of it. Yeah, I mean, I remember... I remember watching Boogie Nights years ago when I was like 12 on the, you know, in, in the living room while my mother was upstairs. I had the volume on at like two, so I was missing everything. <laughs> yes. And I remember like, probably because the volume was at two, I I didn't grasp at the time that his character was, was gay and was like, you know, Jones and for Dirk. And so to my naive eyes, when he like kisses him at that party, you know, halfway through the movie, I was like, Oh my God, plot twist. But watching it this time, it was just so fascinating to watch this, this awkward, clumsy, sloppy gay man kind of navigating this world full of like hypersexual straight people. I'm obsessed with it. I, I, I feel like I want to put a pin in it and like kind of dissect a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's like it's too much at once at the beginning. Ugh. Yeah. We'll lead up to we it. We got to lead up <laughs> to it. And I'm looking up his, you know, what did what did he do before Boogie Nights? You know, let's let's check. Um, well, he was in When a Man Loves a Woman, which has the beautiful Andy Garcia. I'm sure we've talked about it because of Andy Garcia. I don't know. So that's that's where he it's it's where Meg Ryan and oh, look him up. Oh, my God. Andy Garcia is. Oh, yes. I remember this. I don't remember his name, but it's. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she has it's a you know, she's a drinking problem. It's really fun. Um, Love it. But yeah, this was uh, this was right after Twister, you know. (gasps) So he was definitely in his uh, in his era. I love that. But anyway, um, I mean, I feel like it, it, the other significant role for me of Philip Seymour Hoffman in the 90s, and then we'll, we'll broaden the discussion, is Happiness. Have you seen Happiness? No, I've not even heard of oh, this Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> it it's really disturbing. Not in, like, a violent way, just, like, really, like, just kind of bleak, you know, like a bleak view of, like, really, like, messed up people. And, oh, my God, his character is so fucked up. But it's, like, a whole ensemble cast, and there's a world where we could... Uh, do a great episode on it because Jane Adams is in it. I was just gonna say, yeah, Dylan Baker, Dylan Baker, Cynthia Stevenson from Home for the Holidays. Oh my God, we know her. Louise Lasser, who I love, Ben Gazzara from <gasps> Hysterical Blindness, Molly oh Shannon, and Harada from <laughs> Smash. <laughs> I thought I, I saw it the exact same time. <laughs> My heart stopped. I, cu- I couldn't remember how to say her name. I think those are my dying words. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, Bethany. Wow, wow, Bethany. Wow. Wow. You say you support Anna Rada, but you really don't. Okay. Well, All I right. mean, we might have just found next week's episode. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, oh, God. It's so fucked up, but I. I would do it just for the conversation. Okay. 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 So, uh, and for the more more of Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is just, I mean, like, I feel like it, it's so film, like film dude, bro, cliche to love Philip Seymour Hoffman, but I just feel like it's, you know, it's like not liking Anne, Anne Dowd. It's like, why would you take it, it? She's great. He's great. Just give it to them, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, oh my god, I mean, I love Capote. I think I've only seen it once, and that was like all I needed to see. If if that makes sense, it's mm-hmm. not that the performance was. I was like, I don't know if I want to go through that again. But, um, great, and obviously that was uh, the movie he won his Oscar for. But he's great in Doubt. He's so great oh, in Doubt. That's right. We like have that. We have talked yeah, about him I before know. in Doubt. Yeah, yeah. And you love him in The Savages. I mean. I, it's like I almost want to assign you that movie, but we got Philip Bosco, we got Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Laura Linney. I mean, like, it, yeah, it's, it's, so it's all our favorite people. And like, let's just make sure Anne Harada isn't in. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> if Anne Harada was in The Savages? I would like, throw loop, my computer yeah, across the room. I'd yeah. say we're done. We can't do this anymore. Um, Hang up the call. Yeah. Oh, Deborah Monk's in it. Which is oh yeah, I think she works at the she works at the nursing home. I think that Philip Bosco goes to. Oh God, it's it's good. It's so good. I own it on DVD. Oh. still. I mean, I think I did see it, and maybe we've talked about this, but I just remember like it is the aesthetic of a miserable winter day. That it is in Buffalo. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes, yes. exactly. Agreed. But the performances are so great. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Philip Bosco, you bury me. That's my favorite line. He says <laughs> when they ask him, "What what do you want to do?" What should we do with your body, Dad? Laura Linney asks. He's like, you bury me. <laughs> it just, it just, makes, it just makes me think of Annette Benning and the American president. So what do I do? <laughs> you bury <laughs> me. <laughs> you bury me. Uh, I mean, I feel like that that cold, miserable winter's day in Buffalo is like the opposite aesthetic of Boogie Nights, which is just certainly in the first half and, and maybe being stoned support of this is just that like – that sort of glamorized, like, oh, freewheeling 70s L.A. energy, you know? Yeah, I I dig it. Mm-hmm. I, I love the, um, not to jump too far ahead, I guess, but I love the dance montage. I had such a great time. I was moving, I was bouncing on the couch, just bopping my head around. Uh, I feel like they needed to be on roller skates, but they weren't, you know? Yeah, there's, like, literally a dance break in this movie. I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. We're going to... Yeah. We're going to stop and we're going to let this happen. And I, but at that point you're like halfway through the movie and it's like, whatever you want, baby, you know? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like even if you haven't seen Boogie Nights, people listening, you know what Boogie Nights is about. Boogie Nights is about the, the, the rise and fall and eventual, you know, uh, you know, spoiler alert, revival of the career of, uh, 70s and 80s male porn star Dirk Diggler um, as played by Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark. Marky Mark, who I have to say, I think he did a great job in this movie. Same. And again, another actor that I don't know. I just feel like he has canceled energy, but I do like him. I loved him in The Wrestler. I love him in... I actually really like him in The Departed a lot. And... And he's great in this. He really is the film. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, you kind of expect, okay, like maybe the the rest of the movie is going to orbit around him. You know, like he's, you know, I, I hate to use a rent reference, but he's the mark. You know what I mean? Ooh, uh, yeah. I know. I know. Um, and, and that I was not expecting him to kind of contribute the same kind of acting moments that we were getting from everybody else in this cast. But he really he I, what I loved about Eddie really before he turns into Dirk is that he's a really sweet kid and is very yep. soft spoken. He's just like this, you know, dishwasher at the club who's 
clearly like you know traveling an hour and a half to to work as a dishwasher to kind of have some proximity to fame um and it sounds like he's you know turning tricks in the meantime uh sure yeah five bucks to see his penis i mean 70s prices you know cash or credit yeah (laughs) yeah where do i swipe (laughs) you know uh and so like i i i think i Again, I hadn't seen this movie in such a long time, but I had I had forgotten and didn't appreciate the fact that like it, Eddie eventually, obviously, you know, the the fame and the drugs and whatnot kind of you know turn him towards the third act. But I didn't appreciate just how genuinely sweet he was uh, before that, even once he kind of got into the business. Yeah, it's like I feel like there are other performances like this where it's like I don't think. He's not like when you hear Mark Wahlberg, you don't think like, oh, my God, what a great actor. But he's like underestimated in a sense. And then you see a performance like this is like like you're saying that like that innocence and like when he has to uh, like have that scene with Joanna Gleason and like the way that he's like even yelling at her feels like a bad actor performance. But is it intentional? You know what I mean? Like, is Mark Wahlberg just that good that he's like really getting into the zone? I don't know. But I either way, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's a good question because I, I, you know, watching that scene, because, of course, yeah, we do get an act one, Joanna Gleason as Eddie's mother, Eddie's alcoholic mother, who is great, uh, who I I loved until the, the scene where he comes home and yeah. she's drunk and then it turns into this like over the top screaming match in his room and the ripping of the posters down and Gobi with that fucking whore and all that. And I I wish that it never <clears throat> I wish that that it stayed at the level it was in like the kitchen scene earlier that day, you know? Yeah, I think it's like what you say when um like in a scene when someone is just like if someone is just screaming, you know what I mean? It kind of loses its, uh, like, the meaning behind it because all you're hearing is screaming. Right, right. And that's, and I was losing the, all the nuances that she was playing, like, in the, in the quieter moments, even when he first got home and she was sitting there in the chair and it was like, ooh, Joanna, look at you. But then it was like all of that energy got kind of spent really quickly in this fight. And what I did like was even though there was a lot of screaming between the two of them, I really liked the nuance of him screaming, like, be nice to me, just be nice to me. And he like did that classic actor moment of drooling. I love when an actor drools. Yes. Yeah. It's like Eddie wouldn't really have any experience. Like it seems like he keeps everything inside. So when he does yell at his mom, it would, it would, it would be clunky. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it wouldn't really feel like he knows what he's saying because he, he just isn't used to that kind of conflict. And I'm like, is is Mark Wahlberg like is Mark Wahlberg the greatest actor of our generation, folks? Just kidding. Right, right. <laughs> or I mean, and in some ways, it's just such like perfect casting, you know. And I think, yeah, it's just like it's the it, it it's the right actor for this role, especially like knowing him as Marky Mark in some ways up to this point. You know, it's it's so smart in terms of like who do you put into this role that we kind of already see them as this not super emotional sex figure sex sex symbol you know yeah but also like he has to be super hot but super naive and also a little bit of a dope like like he's so goosey like when he's showing um amber around like his new house and he shows her like all the rooms and the cars he's such a sweetie oh god he's such a goose he's so sweet and even like his you know his first scene with amber 
and he's just like, I just, I just want to make it. I just want to do a really good job. And like, I, yeah. is it okay? And he's, I think he says, is it okay, is it okay if I make you real? If I make it really sexy? And it, yes, it's just so like, oh, Dirk, you know what a, what a sweetie, you know? And he really is. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think you know, just as we're talking about Mark Wahlberg's performance, I think it must be mentioned towards the end of the movie that face journey that he had at at yes. Rahad's house. Yes, that was. Oh, uh, I was like, oh my god, what is what is with us this year? We're in we're in our dude phase. We're just like queening out on I men's know. performances. But like, if you're gonna give me a face journey. Then, I'm I, I'm gonna take it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I that scene was so stressful. Oh my! Alfred God. Molina though is crazy. He's so good. It was so good. I love that. I love that he's in the movie for like nine minutes. Yeah. He doesn't show up until like two hours and ten minutes into the movie. It's insane. Oh my God! Those firecrackers. I was. It's such a perfect. Like it's the cherry on top to that whole scene and watching John C. Riley like jump. I think I jumped with him every time that stupid thing went off. Oh, it was, I loved it. I, and I loved the feeling of that, of like knowing that. And again, some people might say like, this is Paul Thomas Anderson kind of being so taken with himself, but I loved the feeling that, that we were intentionally being kept in a really tense situation. Like I loved the, the sense that like, the screws were being turned on purpose, you know? And like, yes, that like, yeah, of course, you know, he's going to throw one of those little, um, those little bombs and it's going to go off right when you think a gunshot would go off, you know? Yep. I know. It's just, it's perfect. And, and this movie did have certainly in the third act did have that quality, um, that like, Oh God, I don't know at what, what point anyone's going to get killed. You know what I mean? Like there is that kind of that mobster movie feeling of like, Oh, when someone going to get shot, when's it going to just suddenly happen? You know? I know. I was like, please just don't let anything happen to Scotty or, or Buck. <gasps> uh, Cause I loved Don Cheadle in this movie. Oh God. I, I was so worried cause I did not remember what would happen, but indeed let's, yeah. let's talk about some of these people that are surrounding yes. Marky Mark. Cause it is really, uh, an incredible cast. He is. Um, let's you know. Let's start with Don Cheadle because I forgot he was yeah. in this, and he plays Buck, who's a a fellow porn star who's trying to get into the um, the the speaker business and yeah, stereos and yeah, and woofers and subwoofers and whatever else they got. But uh, I this to me almost felt like a classic example of like not that Don Cheadle was nobody in the '90s, but of like somebody who. Was similar to like John C. Riley, who it was familiar, but turned into an even bigger star in the next couple decades. You know? Yes, absolutely. I thought he was. I mean, the bank loan scene is so great, and I cannot believe that is Melora Hardin. <sighs> Melora uh, Walters. Melora Hardin. Melora Walters. I, yeah. Melora Hardin is Jan. Yeah, yeah. Getting the Melora Walters. Yes. I mean, I have to say that like. I actually think Melora Walters, I would maybe like to nominate as uh, best featured ensemble for the Westons. Yes. And folks, if you if, can't, if you can't remember who Melora Walters is, she is she plays Anna's mom in Pen15. Yeah. And, and I love her in that. And in this, she plays Jesse, uh, a fellow porn star who it just is a great it's a, it, it's like such a great featured supporting role she's not a main supporting character but she pops up throughout the movie she has a plot line um i think she has a lot of nuanced little moments i think she she's 
she's so great in this role. Yeah, I was so glad to see her. I mean, she's like she's platinum blonde, and granted, this was like you know twenty five ish years ago, so it's like she doesn't look, but she still has that like uh, that voice. It's mm-hmm. kind of like I thought at first she was actually. Um, Oh, I thought she was Ellen Green for a oh, second. Was, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was like, wait, is that Ellen Green? Then I looked it up and I was like, oh, my God. That's that's interesting. Like, uh, is she and Ellen Green should play mother and daughter in something. Oh, that would be so good. I was actually I was thinking that with Joanna Gleason, I would love to see her play Darcy Carden's mother in something. <laughs> yes, it's the face. Right. It's like the, the cheekbone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to see the four of them play a, a couple of mother daughter pairs. Oh my gosh! Yes, you know? uh, and and apparently this eighty for Brady movie is is already a huge success. So it's just like let's just stick with the format. They're doing the new Book Club Two movie in in May. Yep. Let's just keep putting four women on a trip. Uh, send them somewhere and yes. send I them mean, somewhere. Yes, get Candace Bergen back. We need her. We need another round of Candace. Yeah, yeah. Put. I mean, Jane Fonda's in all of them. She's yeah, in she all of these. Her and Lily, mostly. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, it's just like, God bless them, you know? They're, yep, they're all over the place. Yeah, um, got Rita gig. I'm thrilled, but... Yes. But anyway, yeah, Melora Walters is... I, I just, I really, I forgot that there were all these little subplots, so I didn't totally forgot, and again, maybe it's because I watched this when I was 12 with the volume on two, but I forgot that there was this subplot of Buck and Jesse finding each other and falling in love. Oh my God, that scene where she finds him because she's like talking to, I don't know if she's talking to Dirk, she but he's not giving her the time of day. So then she like looks at Buck across the room and he's wearing that ridiculous like altar boy drag really mm-hmm. in that crazy wig. And it's, it's so funny. He looks like but Whoopi I'm Goldberg. S- in a way, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> and I'm just so glad they ended up together. I think they're like perfect. And that it worked out because indeed in act three, uh, you know, oh my God, a- yeah. after they are denied the bank loan because of his pornography, you know, history, you know, he she's pregnant and he goes to a donut shop late at night. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, God, he's going to get shot. I can just picture it. I can yep. just picture it. She's going to be left alone with the baby. But instead, uh, a robber comes in and then a- another patron at the coffee shop, the donut shop shoots him. But then then he gets shot and then the kid behind the counter gets shot and then Ugh. Buck's just standing there covered in blood. <laughs> it's it's kind of, I almost said awesome, but like I did not expect the chain reaction of that. Yeah. And just like, I, just, I think I gasped as big as Buck did in that moment. Right. And I was like, I was just like holding my breath, holding my breath. Like, oh God, who all got shot? Is, there, who, is, is Buck okay? Is Jack, yes. check on the baby. <laughs> And then uh, the the end of the scene is that there's a big bag of money on the floor and Buck needs some cash for that new stereo business and he takes it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, please let him like get away with this. I like I just I just need him to take the money and like go. And that's what happens. Yeah, yes. I just needed to get away with it. I thought it was interesting that at the end he finally gives up the country western thing and he kind of sells out a little bit to the like. He, you know, he gives it, he does a little word up at the end of his commercial. You know what I mean? Like he, he gives into the branding that was expected of him or maybe he grew into it. Sure. But I just thought that was interesting that like we see his boss at the stereo, the, you know, the store at the beginning kind of telling him like, what's with this, you know, country Western shit. Nobody's going to buy this. Like, you know, what kind yeah. of black person are you? And it was just kind of a sad note of like, well, you know, you, you didn't do it totally your way. You know, that's true. 
Very true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have, you know, we have Buck and Jesse who find each other and then, and I would just wanted to see Don Cheadle, like before this movie, I'm just, you know, since we're kind of looking at these people earlier in their careers, like where did this fall in his, oh, I guess he had been in, Hey, he had been in two episodes of hanging with Mr. Cooper. So there we go. I don't want to hear it. Oh yeah. No, he had a, he was in a whole bunch of shit, but good for him. Yeah. Um, we also, uh, we've, I think we've mentioned her a little bit, but we also have Heather Graham as Roller Girl. Oh my gosh. I mean, she kind of is at the beginning and then she leaves for like a third of the movie and then comes back in the end. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't realize that, that she did kind of roll in and out of the movie a little bit. Hey. But I, I gotta say, I think she gives a great performance. Oh my God, that scene with her and Amber in the bedroom when they're doing coke. Oh my God, <laughs> that scene of like, I'm just going to ask you, are you my mom? And you say, okay, okay? And and it was just like, I loved it. I thought that was so, uh, like, I I think that there was more nuance to Roller Girl than I had expected. And yeah. I loved the buildup from the beginning, that scene in the classroom where the guys, you know, making the blowjob, you know, gesture and, and oh, yeah. uh, is taunting her. And then like, he ends up being the guy that they pick up for this, like on the prowl uh, series. Oh my God. I did not put, I'm like, Oh my God, of course I did not put that together. Yeah. I think that's one of the pieces I, from yeah. Watching the first half and then the second half. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He was that guy. And so it's so fun. I mean, I, and I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I was like, watching her kind of endure that once he recognized her and like just the little kind of facial expressions. Uh, it was so, and I, and I didn't know that we were going to then get roller girl going to an absolute 27. Yes. And Jesus Christ. Beating the shit out of him. But I thought, you know what? Two plus hours ago, you were awful to her. So you deserve it, buddy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And I loved, you know, like, she was an interesting as because the movie, I guess, goes from like 1977 to like 1984, I think. And yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. I feel like the ways in which Roller Girl changed, like when you think about how she looked, you know, in those early scenes, like when she and, and Dirk have sex on, on the couch in front of Jack for the first time and she, you know, just lifts off her clothes. And like, I know that kind of like cute free freewheeling Roller Girl to like, who she was in the limo, I felt like there was like there was such a uh, an interesting transformation of that character and what that represented in terms of the transformation of of porn as well. Yeah, she really does take a journey, and a lot of those pieces are, I guess, off screen. We'll say, but yeah, you're right. She totally has that like boss bitch vibe at the end, and she doesn't take shit anymore because of how established she is. Yeah. And it's like, she's what, what I like is that she's a boss bitch until the old high school guy shows up. And then all of a sudden oh, yeah, you, you see him melt any, like basically, you know, in, in some version dead names her, so to speak, you know, he's like, isn't your name yeah. Randy or whatever. And I feel like that's where we see that. Oh, all of this like boss bitch in the fur feeling, feeling her oats in the, in the limo is it's just drag, you know? Yep. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, she doesn't overdose. She ends up, you know, kind of happily living at Jack's house at the end. I love that things work out for Roller Girl. 
Same. I I love it. I love that Julianne Moore is her mom now. Yeah, she goes back to school. Like it really. Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that certainly it's not a happy ending for everybody in this movie, but it is a surprisingly happy ending for a lot of people in this movie. Yeah, it feels like uh, the same kind of vibe with um, uh, from White Lotus season two, like Lucia and the other girl. Like at the end, mm-hmm. they like swindled everyone, and they're like. We're fine. Right, right. And you don't expect them to, like, quote, unquote, get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I it was a much smaller role, but I I also loved, it was sort of similar to Roller Girl on a smaller scale, but Becky Barnett. Yeah. I wanted more Becky. Me too. Nicole Ari Parker, who I believe is Lisa Todd Wexley on, and just like that. Oh my gosh, that's true. Right? Am I? Did Why I, wasn't that like at the front of her IMD? IMD. IMDb. I guess I she's like, as ashamed of it as as uh, the rest of us would be. That's so interesting. I felt like that could have. That, yeah, that should have popped up right away, but it does not. Yeah, uh, and I think that's actually the only thing I like. I know her name, and she was on. I mean, she was on a TV show when I was like, what was that show she was on? Forever was it Girlfriends? Um, I don't know. Oh, well, now I have to solve this. But there was a show that she was on that I remember seeing the ads for, but it was just like a show I'd... Oh, here it was. Oh, she was in the Soul Food show on Showtime. There we go. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, you know why I remember that is because... And this is relevant. Um, back in the day, Showtime, they kind of had... You know how like HBO had like real sex that would come on at like 1 a.m. or Taxi Cab <laughs> yeah. Confessions? So Showtime had their own like softcore erotica that would come on late night sometimes. And I never I I never wanted to miss an episode of Love Street, you know, or Red Shoe Diaries because I might see a a a man's butt, you know? Yeah. But watching all that Showtime, I always saw commercials for Soul Food. And so I'm sure that's why I saw uh Nicole Ari Parker's name show up so many times. There we go. You knew her before you even knew her. Yeah, yeah. Um and that's relevant because, you know. Bookie nights, you know, men's butts, you know, things like that. Uh, yeah, she was great. Yeah. I want I wish there was more than what we were given, I guess. But she's she's just kind of part of the part of the gang. She is. You know, I, I think my favorite moment with with Becky is after Amber and Dirk's first scene. Once it's over, she once they call cut, she immediately runs onto set with a robe for Amber, and it's such a great oh, little detail that. that, like, yeah. w- what is the energy once they call cut? How are people treated? You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I I I remember it now that you say that. But yeah, I do like that. Yeah, and she. I mean, I guess she is a, a porn star as well. But we. I don't think we. I think we maybe see her in one scene with Dirk in a in a like montage. Yeah. But yeah, basically, she's. You know, we see her at party scenes. We see her eventually get married to this guy who is not in the porn industry. And you know, uh, there's like a scene at her wedding, and that's kind of the last we see of her. But uh, yeah, in the deleted scenes, apparently, we find out that her husband had been abusing her and and dirk came and like saved her i love that yeah so uh apparently also in the deleted scenes dirk's parents or eddie's parents were killed in a car accident and that girl sherry lynn he was sleeping with now you know lived in his childhood home oh wow yeah so that's cool yeah yeah so joanna gleason you know uh, unfortunately does not survive this movie yeah amongst others amongst others uh, like, for example, William H. Macy. 
Yeah, Little Bill himself. Little Bill, who I don't think we've talked about on this podcast before. I don't. I'm just, I'm thinking, but no, I think this is uh, his debut. Yeah, him or his uh, his wife, who I don't I I guess... I don't know if we've we've all gotten over the 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 college cheating scandal. I feel like she was the lesser of her and Lori Loughlin. I feel like Felicity Huffman was like the lesser criminal in all of that. Do you remember all yeah, that? Yeah, I oh yeah, of course. I feel like people were more they were out for blood with Lori Loughlin and uh yeah, but but Felicity Huffman was like she was too I mean, she's the more famous of the two as well, but yeah, what a time. Yeah. And I guess I don't know, maybe she just like I feel like maybe like Felicity Huffman, maybe she got like the the standard cheating package, but like Lori went for the premium. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yes, she's like, exactly. no, I want the faked tests. I want the this. I want the that. But like Felicity was like, uh, could I just get like, you know, a cover letter, you know? <laughs> yes, so exactly. we all kind of forgave that a little bit more. Yeah. I love it. But uh, yeah, William H. Macy, I feel like he he and Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of feel like from almost as if they were like coming from the same acting class or coming from the same troupe or something like they feel yeah. like very similar actors to me, very kind of like, you know, uh, doing interesting work in the nineties and the early two thousands, you know? Yeah. I feel like he's, I, I never got into shameless and I know he's great in it too, but like he is someone who just pops up all the time. And I feel like he's been nominated slash one, in my mind, at least, like, I feel like he's he's not won an Oscar. I know that. But I feel like he's got an Emmy or two, right? So I just well, feel like let's find he feels out. like a Globesy actor win, if that makes sense. Let's like, I feel find like he's out. Well, he's been nominated for one Oscar. He was nominated for Best Sporting Actor in Fargo. Oh, yeah. I've, I have seen Fargo. I did like Fargo. That was an interesting movie. It's been a while yeah. since I've seen it, but yeah. Uh, nominated for uh, a whole boatload of Emmys. Um, okay. And he did win something for some movie called Door to Door. I kind of remember I Door to Door. I don't want to fall down door a door-to-door door rabbit hole, because if I do, we'll never get out of it. I just I promise you that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but let's check the Golden Globes. Let's see. So I... Golden Globes. The man is a five-time nominee. Philip. In- or not Philip. Yeah, <laughs> Philip. William. Yeah. Including for Door to Door. Okay, let's just click on Door to Door. Let's just find out what the hell, because okay, it's going to it drive is. me nuts. That's right. He's got the ears. I knew it. There was an ears thing. And Kathy Baker's in oh, that movie. Oh, I love her. Oh, great. Now I'm making fun of a man with cerebral palsy is determined to become a salesman. Oh no! Okay, well, but Philip Seymour Macy H Macy is, I think, wearing some prosthetics. So you know, leave it. me alone. Sure, but yeah, Kathy Baker's in that. I love her. Yeah, I feel like he's just one of those actors that's that always does consistent work and always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I feel. Yeah, I mean that's li- literally his character story in this movie. Uh, yeah, because he's, I guess, he's one of the like. He's the director. I think he's the director of, uh, or he's the producer or the assistant director. Um, but his his main trial and tribulation is his wife, played by porn star Nina Hartley, who is just constantly getting fucked, like in front of him on the street. Like it's 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 a joke almost. How comical it is! It's nuts, and and she'll be like, "Ah, oh, get out of here, Bill. Go sleep on the couch." Or, "Ah, oh, shut up. You're ruining the moment, Bill." 
Oh my god! Uh. And he's just like, "Oh, you!" And then just leaves. And then eventually, uh, he kills her. <laughs> oh my god! And yeah, and then blows his brains out. And then it's 1980. And they showed that. Yeah, I was like I, I think I, I screamed at that one because Keon, right? He was on the couch like with his AirPods and watching TikToks as I finished this, and he just took his AirPod out. And he's like, "By the way, it's about to get a little nuts." And I was like, "Oh, jeez." Oh yeah, I mean, I. I guess there's deleted scenes where we they showed a lot more of like him actually killing them, but it was just like super super graphic. I did not need to see his wife getting shot, but this was. I mean, I'll I'll say this: I don't love watching people shoot themselves in the head, but I thought as an editing moment and as like a break of like an act break before 1980 and as like the end of the 70s, yeah, it was it was genius. It was yep, um, Year's Eve. yeah, it was really kind of a great beat. So. Um, and I'm sure there's all sorts of meanings because I feel like if I were to really read into this, he was so responsible for so much of like providing the film equipment. And then in the 80s is when we kind of see, and I think it was even at this New Year's party where we we see the conversation about video and, and, sh- and shifting to video and how, you know, that's kind of the future of porn. And so I kind of feel like there's an interesting like metaphor here that this guy, ah. this you know, like this is the death of that era, you know? Oh, I love that call. Yeah, yeah. That's so, cool. So yeah, and it's and again, I mean it's so like this movie, I feel like it's it's just teeming with like amazing supporting actor performances. Like yes. great supporting actor roles. I you know, obviously like his character dies, you know, a little more than halfway through the movie or whatever, but like a very memorable role. Like uh if if I were in this, I'd be like, Yeah, yep. I had a great role in that movie. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I read that he like read it and instantly was just like yep I'll, I'll do this yeah and he's perfect for it it's yep also like who else was gonna play this role you know yeah well speaking of men uh and i know i we got to get to julianne more eventually but there's just so many men to get through i know and uh let's talk about a, a, a regular co-star of hers uh mr brown himself come to bed laura brown john c <gasps> riley Oh my god! I didn't even put that together until now. Yes, yes. yeah. I mean, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified. Oh, I, I just thought he was so funny in this movie, and I didn't even know he was in it. And in ways, I was like, it, it, it does ring a little bit of Step Brothers. Obviously, that came like way later, but it's similar energy to that. And I, I was just so on board. That is a great point. I was thinking about that watching this, especially the the, the scenes where he and Eddie slash Dirk, we'll just call him Dirk from now on, uh, he and Dirk first meet, and there's kind of a, 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 a sizing each other up and a, oh, yeah. you know, well, how much can you squat? <laughs> how much do you lift? And and it's all very, like, it does feel like you're watching, like, Step Brothers. And yeah. it made me think that, like, we always, and obviously, you know, John C. Riley co-starred with him, but we always kind of think of his Will Ferrell as like the king of like the man boys of, of that sure. era. Yep. And I think he certainly is, but I think John C. Riley is, is doing even more nuanced work in the field. Yes. I, it almost, it's like improvised energy. Like I feel like those, some of his lines just couldn't have been scripted, but if they were, then props to you, Mama, because I was just him dancing in the booth as Dirk sings his song, like just mm-hmm. like stupid moments like that. And it's a it's a really interesting role because he's and I didn't I I 
almost expected it was that we were eventually going to get like a rivalry between Reed and and Dirk yeah, because yeah. it was like you could you almost got a sense there was a it, it seemed like a plot that they didn't carry through that Dirk was eclipsing Reed as like the male porn star and even in these movies they were doing together it was like oh let's take out that one scene of Reed and like let you know what I mean like there was a sense that like we were going to get a fight scene of Reed feeling jealous of Eddie's fame you know I would have loved to have, I, I think John C. Riley fighting is such a funny, he would do great because yeah. I'm thinking of stepbrothers too when they fight each other. But I, I agree. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of glad for that. I feel because, and I think, I feel like after everyone sees him in that first scene with, um, with Amber that everyone's just like, oh yeah, he's, he's the Meryl Streep of the porn industry and he just wants to be buddies with him. Right, right. Like that's what ends up happening is that they just, they're definitely like, they're good buddies through the whole movie and there is never a conflict between them. It doesn't seem like Reed is ever really threatened by, by Dirk's fame. And I guess that's part of that is because like a lot of them, you know, like Buck, for example, it doesn't seem like this is what Reed really wants. Like he wants to be a magician, you know, that he's a magician. I was just going to say that's where his passion is. And so I think that's obviously like a big distinguishing point between Dirk and these other guys is like this. He even says like, this is the one thing. This is his one thing that he's been given is that he's got a big dick and he knows how to fuck, you know, and like, yep. and that he and what gets him off and then what he wants most of all is to be a star. And he wants that more than anyone else, you know, he's working with. Yeah. Even more than Reed. Yeah. And and I, you know, I just I, I loved Reed and I was so worried when they were at Rahad's house. I was like, if Reed dies, I swear to God. Yeah, I I was going to be really upset because you feel like it's like Reed feels impressionable enough that he would just kind of go along with anyone. But I like that he, you know, him and Dirk kind of, you know, hide behind that bar. That's I would have I mean, I never would have gone. I was so nervous because the scene before that is Scotty's in that scene and he's kind of warning Dirk about it. And I was like, Scotty, please don't go, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Scotty would not have survived. Well, that was the thing, too, is I also didn't know what was going to happen to Scotty and I was like oh please there was a gay bashing in this movie but please let it not be Scotty yes yeah exactly exactly well who who joins them on that that trip to Rahad's of course and another interesting smaller character is that character of Todd Parker the oh yeah mustachioed go-go dancer played by Thomas Jane uh who I kind of think is like the if you can't get Aaron Eckhart get Thomas Jane Yep, I I get that. Yeah, I'll take two. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I mean, yeah. Like, let's do like the Pepsi taste test. Let's put a bandana in my eyes and see if I can tell yes. the difference. You know? Yeah. Um, but I I he's a character. Where you're like, oh yeah, that guy's not making it to the end of the movie. Todd Parker's never survive. Oh God, yeah. He, he ugh, I was just I couldn't believe that that scene went where it did. They could have been gone. I mean, but the whole scene is set up to be so tense and it truly is but i i kind of loved watching uh john c Riley just like run away in the bushes <laughs> yeah yeah i i it was I love he didn't make it in the car right yeah. well and, th- and that scene was interesting i guess in terms of todd's character because he yeah they they do this kind of fake drug deal and they're totally gonna get out of there with the cash and then todd is like no i want the money that's in the safe under the bed and like as I was watching the scene, I realized like 
because he and he knows Rahad because Rahad was a customer at the Go Go Bar where he dances, and it just without telling us so much, it painted this picture that like Todd's gone home with him, and like, yeah. and not that that's so shocking in this world because it you know it seems like that's yep. certainly something that that Dirk's done, um, but I just kind of love that implied storytelling of like oh like Todd's there is a real personal thing as well here, you know. Yep, it was just he was so amped up and mm. and the math uh, and the math, yeah. <laughs> well, there's that too, yeah. I, God, I know. I pictured um going back to Scotty first. If Scotty was there, he would be like Jennifer Coolidge and at the end of White Lotus. Season oh two my God! Shooting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, he's the best. God, you know it's Scotty. Since we're talking about him, let's let's go back to Scotty. Let's go back to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Let's. One of my favorite moments. I I can't remember what party it was. It may have been the New Year's party. It was it. It's later into the movies. It's after the kiss scene and all that. But Dirk comes in and Scotty is sitting on the couch and he's holding a pillow like <gasps> oh, on his lap yes. over his stomach. Yes. Right? Did you see that? I I noticed it. Uh, it's such um, it's. I hate to say this, but I, I I include myself in this category. If you have a little bit of a belly, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Sometimes a pillow in front of your belly feels just right. Absolutely. I That detail, yeah. that might be one. That's in my top five favorite details in this movie was the fact that. Yes. Because I, I was like, I know everything I need to know about Scotty from that from that moment. Yeah. You know, uh, it just my heart just uh melted i i thought that was perfect i'm so glad you noticed that oh yeah he's just i i again i didn't know what they were going to do with scotty because like even you know yeah eventually we we know that he's that he's you know got the hotsy totsies for dirk and who wouldn't but then you know he buys the car to impress him and then he tries to kiss him and i just i i didn't want scotty to be like banished from the rest of the movie after that yeah you know uh yeah and he wasn't he's i mean he's he's present to the very end of filming uh, uh what's her snakes anna's mom giving birth i know oh my god that camera was so big yeah i i totally agree i'm glad even though that sort that moment in itself was a little bit of like uh Oh, I just felt my heart broke for him. It was so tragic. And him sitting in that car was just like, I'm a fucking idiot. Like the way he just keeps saying, I'm like, we've all been there, girl. We all have. And watching that, that was one of those moments where I was like, this man is such a good actor. This is insane. Uh, like I, it, it's obviously it's tragic for anybody to, to die or to take their life or whatever. But there is that sense of like, Oh my God! Like the the mountain of talent you are—it's just insane. Yeah. I just I in my mind in my heart I know that Philip, as the actor, grabbed that pillow. Uh, yes. No one, no one told no one told him to put that pillow on his lap. Totally. I I only credit him with this choice. So yes. yeah. He also has a great. Uh, he also has a great entrance when it's like that party where the girl. You know, the first girl, she just like ODs on cocaine. Yep. And she, her face is like bloody and they're carrying her out. And the song I Believe in Miracles is playing. And he walks in and he goes, hey, is she okay? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and like he's like trying to like kind of enter the party real cool. And they like kick open the gate and bring this. Girl. Yes. So he, I love that like that would happen to him. He would yep. kind of have his like prepared performance of confident entrance of the party be kind of ruined by this moment of them dragging off an OD girl. Oh my God. I know. I'm just, I would, I want to go back and watch this movie 
for him because there's that other moment. I don't know if it's Dirk or it's some other guy, one of the core men in the group. And it's uh, it's Scotty's birthday. And he's like, I wanted to get the like the most like fizzy, bubbly champagne for you because it's your birthday. And he kind of like looks down like all bashful. It's so perfect. And I oh, I, I, I remember that. I remember him pouring the champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's another moment. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, please. I'm please. jumping in again. But. The way that he slices that cake in the wedding scene and just eats it off that plate. I was like, we are, I am him. He is me. Yes. Yeah. He is, he is like the dog <laughs> when no one's looking. Like he just yes. went for it. My other favorite little Scotty moment is when Dirk is all like methed out and he's like, you know, Jack, I'm ready to fuck. And he like, he's, you know, he's finally got yeah. his dick up. And then he and Jack get into that big fight and, uh, Scotty is like behind Dirk yes. and he's like holding his elbow, like holding his yeah. arm in a sort. It's no one. And I mean, yeah. no one told him to do that. Ugh, and yet it was it's... perfect. Yeah. Ah, this really is. This is our, this is the year of men. Fine. <laughs> 2023. It's the year of Let's the Let's get men. back to men. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god! Because I just yeah, I just feel like this is already you know in our in the first you know month and change of of this year. I just feel like that's been that's jumped out at me as all these men. Yeah, I mean, I think it just happened kind of organically. I feel. I mean, we you know, I think it all started with with uh, the father. Yep. Because um, Sir Anthony Hopkins was really our first queen, if we think about. That's true. It. And then, yeah. And since then, there's been dozens of queens, even some princes. And I don't know the movies that we're watching. It's just it. it's we sh it's the universe is uh, giving us these men for a reason, I think. Yeah. And, and asking us to expand our our points of view. I, you know, I it's making me realize that actually, you know, obviously Best Supporting Actress is my favorite category in the world. But like Best Supporting Actor is a pretty great category as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's like they're both on the same avenue, but not on the same side of the street. They're they're sister categories in a way. Right, right, and and but I feel like if I really thought about it, there's so many supporting actor performances that I that I just love. You know, like um, Alan Arkin in Little Miss Sunshine. I love him in that movie. Yeah. Oh God! Every time I think of that win, though, that was the year that like. Uh, Eddie Murphy was supposed to win for mm -hmm. Dreamgirls. I remember there's a Barbara Walters special. Like it was his year. He won the Globe, I think. Uh -huh. And um, I, I think I gasped when he won because I was rooting for Eddie, even though I loved Alan Arkin. I, I just, I, Eddie Murphy just feels like an actor of our generation that should have an Oscar. It was that kind of Oscars moment. It would have been an Oscars moment win. Um, but you know, I, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, I think would be a really fun movie to do on this podcast oh yeah, yeah. gosh i mean because like abaco breslin is actually genuinely great in that movie she most definitely is and we got tony oh my and god and tony yeah. and greg kinnear oh. yeah i mean uh isn't there a scene when i mean spoiler alert for little miss sunshine a movie came that came out in like 2006 when i'll just you know uh someone dies and they're trying to take care of it and there's like the woman that works at the place that like yells at 
Um, like Greg Kinnear. Oh, am I getting my wires There is, crossed? yes. There is a, a, a removing. Like a fast-talking sort of like she sets him in his place. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I do remember this vaguely. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to do the movie. We'll have to do it as an episode. I love this. Yeah. I wanted to say one more thing about Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't remember the specifics of this, and I don't know if I'll ever go back and watch it, but I remember him being in Along Came Polly and him being so good in it. And I can't remember... I feel like he also plays a gay man. I don't know why, but it's he's definitely in that category where it's okay. I'll allow it. Well, he was in Along Came Polly, and he plays a character named Sandy Lyle, and that sounds... That sounds pretty pretty gay. gay to me. He also was in Cold Mountain, which I still refuse to what? do. I ref- no, don't ever. I refuse. We can't. No, like I'll do Pollock before I'll do Cold Mountain. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Oh God, it's so bad. Yeah, I mean the movie was fine. The speaking of what, like a movie that feels like a cold winter's day. Right, right. Ugh. I just, I, I just have no. I'm just not compelled. And and yep. in no. 2023, the year of the man, I need to do what I'm compelled to do. That's right. That's <laughs> it's right. about men. <laughs> Fist in the air. Yeah. Next week on the podcast, we're doing the movie Men. Men. Just uh, all movies with men. We're just going to do yes. 12 Angry Men, uh, <laughs> The Hunt for God. Red October. <laughs> you name it. Does it have no women in it? Great. Deliverance? Great. Finally. Yes. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, well, we've we, all this talk of men. Should we finally say her name, Oscar nominee Julianne Moore? I think. Do we want to talk about Bert's? Do we want to save him for after? Here's Julianne? the thing. I know. Yeah. I know. Because he's also an Oscar nominee and won the Globe. Here's the thing. Burt Reynolds would prefer we didn't. I know. And there's he a hated this. Yeah, and there's a part of me that's like, well, go poop in your hat. Then we won't talk about you. Um <laughs> I know. He's dead. I know. He's not listening. But uh let's talk. Okay, you know what? Let's just get Bert out of the way. Because I thought Bert was fine. I I think if I didn't know that he was not, you know, like when you find out someone was nominated for something before you watch it, you 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 just think it's good. I think he was good. I mean, I don't have no frame of reference for him, but I liked the character. I thought like the first half of like Jack Horner in this, like the first half of the movie, that first hour, I liked him. Mm-hmm. I thought he was charming. I think he's very handsome. But then like even... Um, after just like reading the behind the scenes, how he didn't get along with Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson and he didn't want to take the movie and he fired his agent after he saw his performance. But then he like got all these accolades and like lost the Oscar because he's, he was just a big old like party pooper about it. Yeah. Right. And I just, it was such a, it so ruined the fantasy that I had going in of like Burt Reynolds nominated for an Oscar for boogie nights and like, just kind of feeling like, oh, that's so, that's so, what a cool, it's cool. What a cool yeah. thing. It's kind of like Melissa McCarthy being nominated for an Oscar for Bridesmaids. So she's like, oh, yeah. cool. And so when I found out that he, uh, you know, I mean, I guess to be fair, what I, maybe you read this as well, that it's like he and Heather Graham and uh, what's the snakes, Mark uh, Wahlberg are all kind of like, this movie's not really on their, uh, the tips of their tongues anymore. Um, yeah, I guess and, Mark. Sorry, just like I guess Mark Wahlberg is super religious now, and oh. I guess this movie did nothing for Heather Graham's career until she did, believe it or not, Austin Powers, 
and obviously we know Bert's feelings. So it's just it's interesting when you like we have our opinions of like, oh my God, Heather Graham, like this, this what a star making role. And it's like, nope, didn't do anything for her, you know? Yeah, it's I, it's so funny to me that after he saw his performance that he thought he was bad in it. I, I or I guess like by the way, for those playing at home, uh Cuba Gooding Jr. won that year instead oh. of Burt Reynolds, which we never would have got that speech. I mean, that is a speech. Yeah. All speeches. Show me the money. Um, yes. Right? Is that I what know. he said? <laughs> Oh, well, that's his line in the movie. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think yeah. I've ever seen the speech. What does he say? Um, I think he just kind of, he goes off at the end, like it's a, like this huge crescendo, but I don't know if there's like a like a quote to pull from it. I think he just kind of starts screaming. All right. Well. And thank, thanking everyone. And they, yeah, they pan out to everyone standing. Yeah, and Burt Reynolds. And great. You know, just and Burt Reynolds his, left. Yeah, just eating his creme brulee. Yeah, why even go, Bert? Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't. Uh, but I anyway. bet he didn't. But I think he's very handsome, and I think he he looks the part. And I think I I thought he was quite good. But I again, I don't have any point of reference. He's just he's just Bert. Yeah, I I think having kind of the the lens of like Bert and like what was he in like the best little horror house in Texas or just like everything he did in the seventies and the eighties and like being, yeah, uh, you know, like a sex symbol of that time. I think it's so interesting to then cast him as this like big porn producer in a, in a nineties movie like that, that idea is really clever. And I just wish he was, uh, leaned in. Yeah. I wish he yeah. leaned into it. Yeah. Um, well, Oh, well, you know, old Jack Horner. Yeah, old Jack Horner. And then he, oh, he died in 2018. Oh, okay. Well, now I know. Hmm. R.I.P. Bert. Yeah, yeah. No hard feelings. Whatever. You know. Uh, I'm like speaking of hard. Feelings. Speaking of hard feelings. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Julianne Moore. I thought she was so great in this. I think it's like a this role could have easily gone to Annette Benning. You know mm. what I mean? Like I think her role in the grifters is almost identical to Amber waves, Julianne Moore. Yeah. I, I loved her in this and I feel like she, it's like, I, I forget that Julianne Moore, it's like, I want to think like, Oh, Julianne Moore. She always does like proper movies. Like she would never, she would never get her tits out, but like she's been naked in so many things. She's done so many fucked up movies like, she's done so many fucked up movies. She was in, have you ever heard of the movie Safe? No. Oh, man. It, it's from early in her career. Like, maybe it's like the early 90s or the late 80s. But, oh, that one is fucked up. That's a cool movie. I would, I, I don't know if it's necessarily like a BSA movie, but like, mm -hmm. it's just like a movie to watch and have as like, you know, in your catalog. Safe is a, a, a high recommend for something you never want to watch again. It feels like a movie that Keanu saw. I'll probably mention to him after we start, uh, after we record, and be like, "Oh my god, yeah." Oh yeah, yeah. It's from 1995, <laughs> which feels like the late 80s. Jesus. Um, yeah, I know, right? But and I think Safe was, and I have to double check this because I feel like if I'm going to bring it up, it was by Todd Haynes, who did Far from Heaven, which she was also in. So there we go. There you go. Oh, she's so beautiful and far from heaven. Yeah, I haven't seen that in forever. And that's got Patricia Clarkson in it. Yeah, it's like um it's like the hours is distant cousin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I feel like it it came out not long after the hours and I was like, "Oh, there's there she is. There's Laura Brown again." I was just going to say Laura Brown with a bold red lip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see Carol? 
No, I didn't. Me neither. I um, yeah. <laughs> me, neither. me neither. But um, yeah. And I think I started to watch it once, and I was like, "Oh, it's gay." No, I just I don't know. I, I wasn't in the right headspace. <laughs> click. Yeah, click. There, where are the men? <laughs> Where are the men? Yeah, right? Throws remote. Yeah. Oh, my God. I wanted to say, because um, there's a moment where, uh, I can't remember which part of the movie that Julianne Moore wears a red dress. And it reminds me of that 30 Rock quote where Jack is, uh, you know, it's like the Nancy Donovan era where, where, played by Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know who, I think he's talking to like Liz or something. And, and he's like, and the quote is like, uh, she wore a red negligee and you think it would have clashed with her hair, but it didn't. <laughs> Then he like bites his fists like Dorothy's Bornack, you know. <laughs> right. Um, it's so funny, but it's so true. I feel like it's just kind of, I guess, a rule of thumb that like red is hard to pull off as a redhead. But she, she can wear anything she wants. She could do whatever she wants. Uh, yeah. I I loved how Amber. So Amber Waves, of course, you know, is this motherly figure and is a real sweetie to everybody and and then has the sort of tragic underlying story of not having custody of her child and you know uh obviously being a huge coke addict but i i appreciate that like for the most part because i what's interesting is that like i think even paul thomas anderson commented that like by the end of the movie most of these people don't really change that much it's not like they all like you know it's not like dirk quits the business or amber moves on like they're all still doing this years later yeah and i i in the case of amber i mean short of like you know the not having you know custody of her kid i i liked who she was i didn't want amber to change you know yeah, if anything, she got, you know, she's behind the camera now. She filmed Buck's commercial at the end. Yep. I liked that direction for her. Um, I think my only complaint, and this is like a script thing, more, not not a Julianne Moore thing, is I kind of want a little bit more of that courtroom scene. Mm. I but I, I'll take the smash cut to her, like, sobbing on the side of the building out, outside. Yeah, that, that was, and it was interesting, I guess the woman who played the judge is a, porn star who went through a similar custody issue which I thought was an interesting oh. detail I think her name was Veronica Hart uh, but I didn't uh, recognize her with the robe on wow right. uh, <laughs> she's got nothing underneath yeah right what do you got under there I'll be the judge oh, yeah. of that <laughs> <laughs> guilty you have, like a, you have like a cane you lift it up <laughs> guilty uh, oh, that's good. But, um but uh yeah i you know certainly there there was a sense that we were only really ever getting kind of glimpses into amber's life like i think she she has a very ethereal role throughout the movie and i feel like we we don't get very many like whatever i guess her her non-porn name is maggie we don't get very maggie very many maggie moments you know I love the name Maggie and she feels like a Maggie in this movie. I agreed though. It's like we, she's so soft-spoken. Yeah. But so um, sure of herself in a way, even when she's talking to Dirk at the beginning, she's like, so go with the flow. She's such a, like a pro at this. And she's, I guess, technically married, married, right? To Jack. Are they married or just together? I don't know. I think they might just be together. I, I okay. couldn't tell. They might just be a couple. I don't know if She's they're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but I love, I mean, the 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 dichotomy or the, you know, whatever 
buzzword I'm trying to use right now that just the, her being so kind of motherly and soft-spoken yeah even in that that first scene she does with Dirk where she's like yeah so you can just you can just pull out and whenever you're ready to come you can just pull out and just aim it for my tits yeah that's fine yes you know and it's just it's so honestly that whole scene the whole set piece of them filming you know Dirk and Amber's scene together is really cool it's really interesting there's um I feel like there was a lot of there's a lot of attention to detail in terms of the energy on set, you know, like when they have to stop to change the camera and the way that kind of Bill says, you guys are doing great. We just have to change the camera. Like it was so interesting to watch all of that happening. Yeah. I feel like from interviews I've heard of like porn stars on like podcasts or something like that, like it's still, it's still work. Mm -hmm. It's still a job. It's like, and but I, I kind of, after watching that scene, even it, you kind of forget what you're, uh, what am I trying to say? It's like you you kind of just like step into that and it doesn't matter. It doesn't it's not as shocking to see this because you're like, OK, we got we got to get this shot in a certain amount of time. We have things to do. Make sure the lighting like you're just distracted by the other components of the scene. It's kind of fascinating in a way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, one of the things I, I took away watching this and, and thinking about also like, you know, interviews I've seen with, you know, porn stars or whatever is that like. It's interesting to watch them interacting, you know, not in character or not in a kind of sexy moment or not even like talking or maybe talking about sex, but in a more kind of like off, like they're not being porn stars as they talk about it. It it made me realize that like, and I think they capture it to some extent here that so often like you you hear these people in conversation and in inter interviews and you know Dirk Diggler being an example like there's the fantasy version of watching him kind of be like you know hey I'm gonna fuck you dry you know but mm -hmm. then like the reality of him being this like kind of sweet kid who just wants to do a good job and I think that is so fascinating that like when you see who these people are in real life it just further reinforces the way that people in porn are meant to be these like conduits or these templates for our fantasies, you know? So like who we see them as are not just the characters they're playing, but all of the, like all of the other stuff that we're putting on, like, Oh, you know who that looks like or what that reminds me of, or like what the scenario triggers for me. And it's just so interesting to kind of see people who do porn just being themselves and realizing just how far they often are from like who we want them to be, even in how they talk based on how they look in like a promo picture, you know? Yeah. That fantasy really is, it takes a hold. It's like, <clears throat> I guess it's like that with, um, with celebrities, I guess too, but it's a different subset of celebrity too. It's like your favorite porn star. If you were to ever see them in public, you know, like I feel like, it's such an out of body experience I feel because it's like someone you see on like a website right and you have these like you know for lack of a better word intimate moments with that you've shared with them so like when you when you see them in real life it's like what do you what do I even want them to be or sound like or look like you know right and sometimes and I feel like um read in this John C. Riley's character is a great example is like sometimes they're like total doofuses you know what I mean like sometimes I'll hear like I'll see an interview on, on YouTube with like a porn star or something and it's like hearing them talk and, and hearing them talk about something it's like oh my god you're just like what a what a not even dumb it's not just them it's not about intelligence it's just like a doofy energy that like you just don't expect from somebody who's like, you know, coming on Amber's tits for a living, for example, you know? 
Yeah, it's uh, I mean, to take it back to Vanderpump Rules, he's it's like a Jax Taylor. It's like when you see him without hearing him talk, like he's so hot yeah. and so good looking and like has the smolder down, but he is so, like once you get to know him and you're right. It's like it's not necessarily about intelligence, but like he's such an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I guess what's but it's and then it, it, it like that kind of fades away a little bit. Right. I mean, it, I think that's always an interesting thing of like when you see someone who's really hot and then you get to know them and you realize like just how much because when you think when you see them and you think they're hot, it's not just the physical features. It's what you think a person who looks like that thinks and says and sounds like it's all of the like or even how they feel it's like a guy who looks like that is always really confident whereas like he may be like a total like stumbling all over himself and like maybe people find that cute but maybe something like that that betrays the fantasy suddenly all of those physical features almost like don't even come together as hot anymore you know yeah, or if they like, if they're into like Dungeons and Dragons or like anime or whatever it happens to be, like just their interests and what you, again, what you want them to be or what they, what you think they do in their free time or something. But sometimes that's like cool because it's a hot person doing it. You well, know? Yeah, right. It's, I mean, I, I feel because it's like, I, I definitely gamers. Well, I was going to yeah. say, like, there's a part of me that like, I love a gamer, but there's also like, I just think there's an element of it. It's like, yeah, there's an element of it. That's so hot. Um, but like I, I, where I, where I get stuck is, um, and I'm sure somebody's, you know, whatever. These are just opinions. I'm nobody, but like, sure. I, I think where I would maybe struggle with that is like Disney gaze. Yeah, it's tough, right? Yeah, it's tough. I I'm just not I, at all, you know. And it's I have a certain perception about what that means, you know. Yeah, it's every because it's like the on one side, it's like everyone should have their thing, and yeah, that's you. You do you. But I feel like it's a hobby slash interest that requires your participation sometimes mm-hmm. or maybe it's not mm. you know maybe it's just like i want to go to disney at least four times a year you don't have to come with me at all but i have like a group that i love going with i think where i might i think there'd have to be a conversation about decor in the house you That's, know like yep yeah i don't mind a collectible i don't want a thousand funko pops lining my wall you know and that's a whole other subset yep and like nothing and I mean, nothing in the living room will be like uh, when you're not going to have some like mirror that's shaped like the kingdom, you know? Yes. Or like the like for like the mirror mirror on the wall. Like, oh, I will yeah. Take... No, yeah. No, no quotes. <laughs> Sorry. That's a trigger. <laughs> you. Whoa, that was that was, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I will take like a Mickey Mouse clock where his arms turn in the kitchen i'll do that in the kitchen I think that's kind of kitschy and cute and it has to be like a vintage kind of thing yeah not yep. something yep. that you would have gotten at like you know epcot village now or whatever it's called you know epcot village yeah <laughs> I, I i see what you're saying though i i i do love disney though like i'll go to disney it's fucking expensive to go to disney as well but i do admire and appreciate people who know uh, like Keon's friend Nola is a Disney fanatic and she like if we ever go to Disney like she will be the person we call because she will tell us exactly how to do it 
and she loves it. She she like in an alternate life, she said I probably would have been like a Disney travel agent. But you have to take like a test and do all this other stuff. It's like it's really involved, and you know she has another day job that keeps her happy, so it's fine. But, um, yeah, Disney maybe Disney adults is the best. A better that's another subset. I guess that's everyone as opposed to Disney gays. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, really, it, it you know Disney it it's all. It, it, I have kind of a similar feeling on all, but you know what, like. Don't let me stop you. I, I'm not yeah, going to go to it. Disney. I just, yeah. that's something I would say, yeah. Uh, if, if if I found out that a porn star that I was really into was like a hardcore Disney gay. Hmm. <laughs> you have to rethink have to some really things. really rethink some things. We have to really have, so I have some questions about decor. Yeah. Yes, yes. But anyway, I don't know if Dirk Diggler is a Disney gay, but... I think that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Dirk's penis. Oh my God. I, I knew it was a prosthetic obviously, but I didn't know when it was coming. I was like, <laughs> no, hey, no pun I, intended. Hey. I was like, did I miss it? And it was funny. Cause I told you Keon was watching TikToks on his phone, not really paying attention, but you know, he, he perked up whenever that last scene came up, you mm. know, just to kind of revisit it. And I guess Keon, because Keon has this on DVD and he watched like the DVD commentary. And um, I think there's, I don't know if it's a deleted scene or maybe like a little featurette on the DVD, but it shows like the first iterations of what they wanted the penis to look like. And it was like crazy. But um, I think it's pretty effective for 1997. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's so interesting now we're in an age of prosthetic penises, you know, on the White Lotus. Yes. And yes. in Euphoria, you know, like it's just like in some ways I am, I was I was l less surprised by it or less affected by it. Maybe because also because the last time I'd seen this penis, I I could barely get past the internet, the parental controls on AOL, you know? So like sure, yeah. seen a few penises since then. And so like, it's, <laughs> it's a different experience, but there was that feeling of this was a moment. This was a moment. This was like, yeah. Oh my God, he's about to take his penis out. And I think I don't, I, I'll have to see that featurette about what they wanted the penis to be, but there is a part of me that feels like it maybe needed to, I can't being, I can't believe I'm being a size queen about this, but I think for all of the buildup and all of the reactions, there was a part of me that wanted it to be a little bit bigger. Sure. Yes. Sue I, me, you know? Yeah. And I think Mal, Mal, Mar, I sounded, never mind. Um, Mark Wahlberg, I feel like he's a short guy too. So it almost feels like he, like, I don't know. I mean, not that the short men don't have big penises, but like, it's just, it felt disproportionate in a way. And in a way I feel, I don't know if I wanted it to be small. I think I wanted it to be thinner, not too much thinner, but like it had some girth, right? It From did. What I, I almost, I wanted it to be thicker. I wanted to, I wanted what? to, yes. I wanted to get nervous. I wanted to be like, what? <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to be as shocking as William H Macy blowing his brains out. I wanted I to. The, so. I wanted yeah, to yeah. scream. Yeah, <laughs> and it just flopped out. You know, it did. It did. But this, I just, I want. I just, yeah. I just wanted even more. So sue me. Uh, but I, you know, it's kind of like rent. I appreciate that at the time this was a big deal 
literally to have this in a movie in the theaters you know what i mean have this this yeah. big old prosthetic penis just sitting there you know not obscured being the focus of the shot for an extended shot in a movie in the theaters like with mark Wahlberg. i mean like i remember how much of a moment that was and like even though it was a prosthetic it was like yeah but i still saw his pubic hair right you know what i mean like yep. was that all fake too you know yeah, I feel like it, it would be such a cultural moment for this to like, why hasn't there been anything like this ever since, you know, more penises. Yeah, right. And like enough with the prosthetics. I know it's such a, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And, and I guess maybe too, it's like penises are weird looking, you know They're what I so mean? Weird. Even if it's like big or whatever it happens to be, you know what I mean? Or even if the actor is like, I don't care, like, you know, and it, it's like a decent size and they feel comfortable. I think it's it's all about like that perfect, I don't know what they want it to be, I guess, too. It's like, can you imagine the meetings surrounding this prosthetic or any prosthetic? Like, Ugh. I think it's so funny in a way. Yeah, like how do you make this decision? How do you, do you line up like five different, like, you know, test examples on a, on a conference table and then everyone's like, you know, eating blimpy sandwiches and like going, well, this <laughs> yes. one's got kind of a vein on it, you know? I know, I know. This one curves to the right. Right, that's, lettuce that's pretty... falling out of the sandwich, you know? Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, God. You know, there's a couple little uh, roles I wanted. I mean, it's it's sort of a, a sizable supporting role, but we didn't mention uh, Louis Guzman, who I think has a, just like similar to Jesse and, and um, Becky, um, where he, you know, he's like basically the first, one of the first characters we see, but he's, kind of throughout like the guy who keeps trying to get into the business and i i like yes. that he only gets as far as being um a non-sexual character <laughs> and he's like the bartender yeah, yeah yeah uh but things work out for him too he gets you know he and his brothers have a nightclub by the end but i know i love yeah that. i liked him I, I liked just his like i think he was such a driving energy in that opening scene and i thought that was cool that like yes. it was as if he was the star of the movie in the beginning yeah, I love a good, like, nightclub owner energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I also just wanted to mention, because I just, I, I thought they were interesting characters, but the Colonel, played by Robert Ridgely. I loved him. I mean, he was my quote. I think, I, but, but, okay, go ahead and finish your thoughts. Oh, Sorry, I, I, I just, I thought the, the casting and just the styling of him with the glasses and like, it was, yep, it was perfect. I knew exactly who this was. He kind of, I, for a second, I was like, is that, I thought it was like Mike Nichols. He yes. like Mike Nichols in the, like the eighties or seventies. Yes. He looks like a thick Mike Nichols. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And, and it was. Mike Thickles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's his porn name. Mike yeah. Thickles. It's a great porn name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a great like drag king. Name yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, and then, and his, you know, a, a fairly dark story where he eventually like some 15 year old girl he was with ODs on <laughs> on cocaine and then they find you know child pornography in his house and yeah. that scene with with uh with Jack where he was you know where they're talking in the in you know, the the visitation window in prison and and he was just like I'm st you're still my friend right Jack like you're still my friend and it was it was just so fucking dark and sad yeah, and then he just hangs up the phone. And I love that you couldn't hear him. I love that choice. Right, that like the the phone cuts out and you could just kind of see him repeating something and you kept you you could definitely see him saying the word friend over and over. Yep. 
Um, And then not to be confused with Philip Seymour Hoffman, but Philip Baker Hall, uh, he shows up as Floyd, who's like the other producer who's talking to Jack about how like at at the New Year's party, how they're going into the age of video. Yes. Um, He's just a great character actor. I feel like he's been in everything. I feel like he and like Philip Bosco go for the same roles, you know? Yes, yes, yes. He definitely looked familiar when he walked in the door. And I love, I loved his entrance too. Yeah. He has a great voice. Oh my God. Yeah. He has a great voice. Uh, and then I think, was there anybody else that I wanted to mention? I think that was everybody. I mean, we talked about yeah. Alfred, Alfred Molina. It's such a great, just a one scene role. It's so great. Yeah. I, I thought he was great too. I, that's, to answer your question, that's everyone on my list for sure. I feel good. Yeah, I guess the, it's a great fucking. Movie. It's a great movie. I, you know, and like even the smaller roles, like um, there's the the camera guy Kurt, the one who's talking to William H Macy while his wife's getting fucked at the pool party. He's like the the heavier set guy oh, yeah, with the yeah, beard. Yeah, 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 like even him. It's just it's a smaller role, but I just I just liked him. I thought it was great casting. It was just even in those little roles, I felt like the the. the actors in those roles were memorable that it was like oh he was in three scenes but it still stuck out you know yeah i mean i don't know when i don't know when i'll watch this movie again but like i would love to have it on on a saturday or something mm-hmm. like that or you know if i host a, a 70s theme party i would put that on the projector you know what i mean in the background because it just it's it's fun even though it turns super dark in the like in the second act i feel but like i I don't know. It still takes you on that journey. Yeah, it you know, it gets it gets dark. It's funny. It was like, you know, it was like Rent where it was like, "Oh, she doesn't die at the end." Yes. You know, and and so I feel like this movie isn't even though some people get killed and like some things kind of go astray and like the gay bashing or the, you know, Dirk getting beat up scene, I was like, "Oh god." Like Yeah, that was a twist. Dudes love this stuff. I forgot dude bros yeah. love these scenes. But um no animals are harmed, so there's that, you know. There's that. I don't even think we and see I a mean, single animal. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. Um, I'm glad there wasn't a dog that lived in that house because I don't know if anyone would have ever paid attention to that dog. Um, yeah. But I, I'm so glad to have this in our repertoire. I, I mean, we have such great performances. We have Philip Seymour Hoffman is on our radar again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I really like Julianne Moore. I, I think it's a well-deserved Oscar nom. Um, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I would say overall, this was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we did this, and I, it, I don't know. It's it's got me kind of amped up to like what else? What, especially these like these these longer movies that I'm like you just kind of yeah. like sink into. I'm like especially from the '90s. I don't know. Uh, this is an era to explore. Yeah, what else is out there, folks? Yeah. Um, Let us know. Well, maybe we'll find out later because we are being. Completely and totally played off. We're we are, put on your roller skates, girl, and you know, take off your little jumper because you know we're we're getting going. What does she say to Jack? You know, is it time to fuck? And he's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I know she's so casual. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So is it is it time to tell people where they can find more of you? Oh yeah. <laughs> They can follow me on Instagram, and they can also um, listen to me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla. Oh my gosh, I've taken such a hiatus lately, but I'm I'm gonna put out a new episodes sometime soon. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say like there'll be a new one next week because who knows if there will or won't. But uh, it's still on my mind. 
Uh, how about you, Colin? Well, you can find more of me on All Right, Mary, where we are continuing to cover season 15 of Drag Race, which is uh, a really... Uh, this season has got a weird energy. It's not the queen's hmm. fault, but there's a whole bunch okay. of things got a weird energy. The fans are really gross on social media. It's a whole thing. Uh, but we are going to trudge along, and we're still covering it. So you can find me there on All Right Mary. Uh, or you could find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Or you could find more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And, you know, keep your, you know, keep your, keep your sexy little peepers peeled. Cause, <laughs> there it is. cause we're on the prowl. No, actually we're not. We are, but we do have the best supporting after show coming, uh, just around the river bend where we, I, I can tell you this, we've got some Sopranos talk to get into. Oh my gosh. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the Grammys as well. So much to unpack. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to be able to join us for the Best Supporting After Show you and get early access to episodes just like this, you can become a Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. Get on over there, folks. It's a party. Yeah. And uh, that's a wrap. So uh, that, as they say, is that. <laughs> <laughs>